Yeah, yeah, I'm good right now. We're good right now. Yeah, we're set. NFL Conference Championship Sunday. In my opinion, it's a day that's bigger than the Super Bowl because we have two championship games instead of one. We have a very special guest with us today, Josh Desky, who has just been hammering the sports betting this year, just taking down winning week after winning week. Josh. Say hello to everybody out there. Give them a couple preliminary thoughts, and we'll get kick-started with this game. No, no, I feel very fortunate and lucky and good to be with you, a national champion, man. Uh, we've gone 19 straight weeks consecutive winning, 507% ROI. What does that mean? That if you invested in Tesla, you would have 700% uh, ROI. So the bottom line that if you use every single pick we did this year, you have five times more money than you started, right? 50,000 is now 250,000. So then after that, you go into tax mitigation. Uh, love the line swings, right? Because what we do is as a financial rep, the, the, the line is analogous, especially now with all the states legalizing sports betting to the stock market, okay? So what you do is you take advantage of market inefficiencies specifically the market inefficiently see right now was that I feel that uh, especially with uh, Mahomes concussed uh, Andy Reid is Andy Reid <laughs> and he likes to control the game and take the pedal off the metal so I like the under so it started at 51 right so I took over 51 and I just took under 55 I bet it up so I bet more on the under because that's what I feel but if it hits 53, I win both sides of the bet. And I like your Buffalo Bills at plus four, Tampa Bay plus four. And I like the under in that game too. I did the same exact thing, right? And we can get into the weeds on it. But bottom line, anything I say is actual information you can use right now to make money, put money in your pocket. I know that's what you're about. And you give phenomenal information. The, when you come to mind reading your bio and listening to you, I think of uh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg made $69 billion giving out information. And the information you give on fantasy football is phenomenal. The information you give, the, the value is off the charts. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate the work. Now, everybody out there, if you're not following Josh, you need to follow him. Um, he, we'll make sure you have his, um, his handle. I do have it on a previous Twitter handle. I put this one through Restream, so it may not be. I, I did put it in the title. So if it's not there, you make sure you follow him. Now, let's get into today's game. Josh yeah. gave me some early advice on betting. First of all, the early game, Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Me being the fantasy guy, I want you to know about injuries. During the week, he said, Vita Bay, the defensive tackle. Great, great run stopper who's been out since week five. He's expected back today, potentially limited snaps, but Tampa Bay goes from being without him pretty much a top 10 run defense, but they are lights out against the run when he's in there. Another significant injury in this game was it's Antoine Winfield, the 
working safety who's been doing great things. He is out. That does hurt their zone concepts. And Tampa Bay blitzes a lot, and they need the secondary safety to step in the passing lanes. This could be a little problematic. Josh, what are your overall thoughts on how this game shakes out, though, regardless, Green Bay, Tampa Bay? Uh, I think every team that's uh, won in the playoffs except for one has won the rushing battle. So now we're taking a 350-pound maniac. Remember how he played against Alabama in the national championship game, Vita Vea. And with Tampa Bay, I see wild cards. I see guys that uh, have impulse control issues. They're not consistent. But in one game, these guys can take over the game. And I'm dating myself. I used to think in the playoffs when uh, the guy for the Giants, right, either Harry Carson or Lawrence Taylor would take over a game. Devin White can take over a game. Uh, JPP, as crazy as he is, you know, he's great for that zone blitz. He can rush off the edge like a maniac, or he can drop back in coverage. He can have a huge game. And Donovan can sue. Levante David, right? Because you look in big game situation, one game situation, who can be the Bucky Dent, right? Hit a home run in a big game situation. And that's usually what happens. Uh, and in the link too, when you go to uh, our podcast, we have a link to the top 10 rules of betting. And the number one rule is never bet your own team. Vontez Scatling went to my high school, went to USF. So I got to watch my emotions thinking about Vontez Scantling. But you're talking about him in the zones, Rodgers. Uh, what are your thoughts on Rodgers being able to get out of the pocket? How's he going to deal with JPP running straight at him and Don Kinsu right here and then Levante David in front of him? He does not. He's not – Todd Bowles is going to outsmart him. He's not going to know who's coming. Yeah, Todd Bowles is going to disguise the blitz. Now, we also know that Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers, is very good at scheming. And in that first game they played, he used tight bunch formations of receivers. Sometimes trips on one side, sometimes just two, and then he'd isolate a receiver on the opposite side. But he really made it difficult for Tampa to press his receivers to get some free releases. Now, after Rodgers made two bad plays and two drives, they picked six where the route got jumped by Jamel Dean. Right. And then on an ensuing drive where it was just a bad decision, he forced a pass that he shouldn't have. He had an open guy in front of him. Right. And that became a pick almost six that returned to the three. So what happened after that point, because the Packers had scored 10 points in the first two drives, had no problem moving the ball. And then at that point, the two interceptions, Sue had clearly gotten in the Rodgers' head as well. And at that point, we saw blitzing on almost half of the downs the rest of the way, as you mentioned. And Todd Bowles had it schemed up, and Rodgers was up. Now, that said, there were players open that he just missed because of the pressure, probably. But Bowles, as you mentioned, is going to have to change it up a little bit here to not be predictable because LaFleur is going to have some answers for the looks that he saw in that game. Yeah, and I want to ask you a question because uh, we used a lot of fundamental analysis from my uh, my role as a you know stockbroker representative. And in that, you look at the corporate governance. That's why we talk so much about the coaches. And in this game, it's a what I call 100% Andy Reid game, right? You got LaFleur from the Andy Reid tree, uh, Gruden, right? All of them saying Green Bay back in the day. A lot of the same concepts. Todd Bowles coached for Andy Reid. 
So, and I was fortunate, lucky, and good, man. It's always better to be lucky than good. When I was in Tampa Bay, I was at that training camp where you had Tony Dungy, you had uh, the guy at Arizona State uh, was the defensive coordinator, defensive back coach. Lovey Smith was your linebackers coach. Uh, Tomlin was a defensive assistant. I really, when I was looking, I wasn't looking at it. But you notice the offensive coordinator going head to head for the defensive coordinator, all training camp. So Todd Bowles has seen what LaFleur does the whole time and vice versa with LaFleur. Who has the advantage in that situation between head to head LaFleur versus Todd Bowles? And they already went at it once, but in my opinion, I think the NFL has, and I've been on it, right? So it's an opinion I've monetized. They've made a lot of money, been on vacations. Uh, my wife hasn't bought gasoline. Everybody's talking about the rising price of gas. My wife has not bought gasoline. It hasn't been bending dollars since 2011, right? So when you think about the past matchup, I think the NFL has five games built in where a team has a competitive advantage. I thought the floor had a limited package when they went to Tampa. It was a short week. The other thing about Tampa is I lived there 20 years. You never get used to the heat, right? And this year we were 90% second half lines in Florida games. And the only game we lost was Jacksonville, a, a depleted, non-talented team. So this is a big difference, right? We're talking uh, conference game in Green Bay, no fans. What are your thoughts? One thing I want to mention is the weather I don't expect to be an issue. It's right. Be about 30. There were flurries this morning out of the forecast. That's a beautiful thing. Um, I'd like everything you mentioned. There's not much I can really add to that line of thought, but I do want to mention that you have no fans in the stand, or if there are, it would be limited at most. I don't think there are any, but um, the weather not an issue. And, you know, hey, if anybody could deal with cold weather, I know Tom Brady's teammates hasn't, but Brady is certainly used to that from the New England days. So I think there is that home field advantage the Packers often enjoy in Lambeau. I don't think it's the home field advantage. If it was 10 degrees, right. maybe so. This is a nice day out there. It's a beautiful thing. Um, before we move on, we had a couple. We had Robert in the chat. He said, hello. Hey, Robert, glad you're here. And we had one question in a playoff challenge. Needs a Bucks receiver, Mike Edwin, Mike Evans or Godwin. And Josh, I want to get your thoughts in a minute. What I see here is we have two opportunities here. First of all, I fully expect, and this is a guess, I expect that um, – Scotty Miller is going to be placed on the right side of the formation. They're going to sacrifice him to Jair Alexander because he doesn't move. I think they're just going to say, you know what? Take him out of the game. That's fine. Mike Evans, I expect to be on Kevin King. Now, the Packers pass rush has heated up in the latter part of the season. So there may not be the downfield shots we like, but that is in play because it's a, it's a beautiful matchup. But the place the Packers are most vulnerable, and they play a ton of six defensive backs, dying defense, one of the highest rates in the league, the middle of the field is vulnerable. Chris Godwin and even Rob Gronkowski are phenomenal options. We said that Gronk would block the last two weeks because of the four, three defenses and the need to protect Brady. This is a three, four defense, and it's one that has holes in that zone. This is a tailor-made game for Gronk and Godwin. Evans is a good play. He has a lot of upside, but he has downside as well as the six DBs. Godwin, in my opinion, is the safer play with a similar ceiling. Josh, what say you? Man, I 100% agree with all of that. And I got a question for you. Uh, 
in my opinion, Scotty Miller and Cameron Brayton are going to be huge in this game. They're going to be wide open on third down. And I feel in my mind, the, you know, I was thinking that in the reading in the offseason, the Tom Brady defense, that he was going to call half the plays, he was going to implement. I thought it was going to be a wide open offense. No, it's a three tight end Lloyd Carr running offense. Uh, Brian Leftwich and Arians, a combination against Pettit, the defensive coordinator, I think it's a coaching mismatch. I'm putting my money on Arians, Brian Leftwich, intellectually, on Brian Leftwich, Arians, and Tom Brady, who's actually on the field, one of his boys. They've seen everything. They won Super Bowls. They're going to recognize the defense quick. And um, I think they could, I think it's a mismatch against Pettit. And, and uh, Green Bay fans are knowledgeable. And a lot of knowledgeable, hardcore Green Bay fans are down on their defense coordinator. Absolutely true. Um, we have another question here. If Godwin is the best pivot off of Tyreek, I think he's an excellent pivot off of Tyreek. Tyreek's going to face in a similar shell to what the Bucks are going to see in that first meeting. The rain is not what stopped Tyreek Hill. It was the shell defense. He was like three for 35. It wasn't there, so Patrick Mahomes didn't force it. They ran because in Buffalo, don't expect this to change. Okay, I want to back up for a minute. Buffalo played that first game largely seven men in the box, but they frequently went to six men in the box. They dared the Chiefs to beat them on the ground, and the Chiefs ran the ball. It was over 30 times, 25 for Edwards Hilaire. We saw Darwin Thompson. We saw Darrell Williams. And look, Buffalo was happy with that because Buffalo could have won that game. They had a possession late when the game was in question. So I think they would go in and say, we'll do that again. And if you give Andy Reid that run, you say, take it. He has the ability to do that. So Travis Kelsey's going to see a lot of work, but I don't think they're going to be messing with that dying defense too much with Tyreek. So Godwin's a great pivot. Um, any other thoughts about that one? Uh, in my in my opinion, uh, Chris Godwin is the best receiver on Tampa Bay. I loved him when he was in Penn State. In the sorely days, he always used to come back. Uh, and he's a really a well-rounded guy in – I make a lot of money and bet on emotional control. Out of all those receivers, he's the smartest, most emotional control. 4.8 guy, he has his degree versus a guy like Evans, even though I love him, great talent. Uh, he didn't graduate from Texas A&M, all those crazy years with Manziel. You know, and it shows in big game situations. So definitely Chris Godwin all day, every day. But really, I got my eyes on Scotty Miller and Cameron Bray open on third down in crucial situations as well. Yeah, now... I'm interested, and I like your call on that. They, the primarily, Bruce Irwin said, we're primarily a two-tight end offense. I thought that they played a lot of three-receiver personnel in the first matchup against Green Bay. They will, as you said, they will play two tight ends, but I think there will be more three-receiver than usual to get Godwin in the slot because if they play just heavy tight end personnel, then it's going to be Godwin on Alexander unless they flip he and Evans. So they're going to want to get that mismatch in the slot. So you're correct. They will run heavy personnel, but they're also going to run light personnel to get those favorable matchups. But I don't dispute what you say. Great could be a very, very strong play when he's on the field. He definitely has had plenty of openings, and Brady's had a very nice rapport with him. So I like that as well. Now, we talked a little bit about the Buck side. So as you said, with they, Bruce Arians, they are going to understand how to attack the Packers defense. Stylistically, the Bucs match up very well with them, and they should have consistent success moving the ball. They've made this offense 
better fitting for Tom Brady as the year's gone on. And that time and that chemistry will now come to pay off here. We did talk a little bit of the ways Alexander does not go in the slot. We had a question here. Alexander is the right cornerback, which is, I'm sorry, he's the left cornerback, which is the right offensive side. They do not move. They, they play sides. Kevin King is on the offensive left. Dyer is on the offensive right. And they have very weak slot coverage. That does not, that's their zone staple concept. And they run a ton of six defensive backs. So that is not an option for the Packers. There's no way they'll change their defensive philosophy based on his matchup. Do you agree with that, Josh? 100%. And I think that's the problem with Pettit. He, he one of those guys that doesn't make adjustments, right? And both sides are successful, right? You look at a guy like John Calipari, won a national championship. He does a lot of in-games adjustments. Bill Self, who's won a national championship, doesn't. But I usually love to bet on the guys who can make in-game adjustments. Uh, Pettit for Green Bay does not. What he what he does is what he does. He's not going to pivot, right? Bruce Arians, Brian Leftwish, uh, Brady will call an audible on the spot if he sees something, right? So that's how fluid they are. Uh, uh, Rodgers should do it. Right, but he'll get in a fight with LaFleur because LaFleur is also kind of a control freak guy, but it'll cause tension, right? And you'll see uh Rogers flicking off LaFleur, going all the way to the bench. He's like, I'm gonna call what I'm gonna play, you know. I'm a Hall of Fame quarterback, super winning callback. If I feel like calling in, that's what I'm gonna do. Like Ray John Rondo on the Lakers, or you know, you know, whoever calls the play on the Lakers, Ron John Rondo goes on the court, he'll call the play, right? He'll do a little huddle with everybody he's calling for. Same thing with LeBron, right. Kobe used to do the same thing. <laughs> so it's kind of difference between Tampa Bay and Green Bay watching the game today. Yes. So we, as we point out, we talked about the box office. We think they're keenly aware of how to attack the Packers defense. They should have success. The Packers have gotten better against the run. Right. I believe that there were injury concerns to Kenny Clark earlier in the season. I believe that's why their run defense was a city missed some time. And then I don't think it was himself, but down the stretch, he's back to himself. Very tough to run on them. Fournette could get involved as a receiver, depending on situation and circumstance. But I don't think this is a game where they get a lot of running success going. Do you see it any differently, Josh? Let's see what Tom Brady saw on film today, man. If he's going to bring in that Lloyd Carr situation, also he sees a look, he's going to, he's going to have the right running play against them. Uh, it's a, again, it's situational, right? Real intelligence is situational intelligence. Tampa Bay's uh, offensive line is a top 10 offensive line financially as far as getting paid. You know, one seat, game situation, they can live up to that. They haven't lived up to that until now. But the fact that whoever wins the rushing bout has won the game, uh, their coaches are in their ears and in a one game situation. Now you got Braiders won six Super Bowls. Arians has won two Super Bowls as a coordinator. Those guys are great situational in-game guys. Uh, let me know your thoughts. I think Tom Brady is going to have called two plays in the huddle. And whatever he sees is either going to be a pass play or a run play. Whatever he sees based on the situation is what they're going to run. So that I think that's going to help the running game out. Absolutely. Yes. And as we said, the Packers do play a lot of six defensive backs, dying personnel. And they're absolutely, despite the emergence of Kenny Clark getting back to his previous levels of play, yes, when there are lighter numbers in the box, there are opportunities to run, as you mentioned, and there are none 
better than Tom Brady at making that pre-snap determination. This is an optimal place to run. And honestly, people are not giving Brady, believe this or not, the credit he deserves in this game. They're basically saying Aaron Rodgers is true. He is playing the best football of the quarterbacks in the league right now. But in a playoff game of this magnitude, the brain of Brady cannot be understated. He will, the moment obviously will never be too big for him. He will never flinch in the moment of a big game. we got a few comments here. So first, Tim Chad, our buddy Tim, he has Cameron yeah. Brayton anytime touchdown at plus 350. Josh, what do you think? I love Cameron Brayton in this game. Scotty Miller and Cameron Brayton, right? Uh, I say conspiratorial things purely for entertainment purposes and purely for fun. And then I have a question that I've been dying to ask you. But I think it's going to be for the suburbs that have all the money, for the white suburbs that have all the money. Scott Miller County Break are going to be great, great marketing today <laughs> for those guys. I love them a lot. Uh, the question I've been dying to ask you, right, because I was listening to one of your live streams. Uh, Lamar Jackson can't read defenses, right? He proved it. Correct. He throws the pick that loses the game. I think Mahomes has trouble reading defenses, and Josh Allen has trouble, but he's a little bit better than those guys. What's your opinion on all that, and how's that going to affect the, the Chiefs and the, and the um, Bills? Yeah, so we can segue over to that game. So that's probably a good point to do that. So it's a good question. So Josh Allen, yes, he has been fantastic this year. A couple of things that can get to Josh Allen. First of all, when a defense floods defensive backs, late movement disguised coverages give him issues. He hasn't seen a lot of them this year. But the Chiefs coached by Steve Spagnuolo on defense, Tyron Matthew is one of the best robbers in the game, disguising coverage and him going to the spot where he knows Josh Allen's going to look, but not going there too quickly. Allen struggled in that first game. Now, there were a couple DPIs downfield that didn't work his way. I don't think the rain was an issue. I think they got pressure on him. They blitzed a lot, Kansas City, and then they're going to bring it again in this game. But disguising those coverages, that is where Josh Allen has his struggles. I don't think Josh Allen can read a defense either. I think if it's a predetermined look of man, his numbers against man defense are off the charts because what you see is what you get. We talked earlier in the year, Mitchell Trubisky can play very well against man defense. Right. You start giving him a zone and now he struggles. <laughs> so Josh Allen has been a great quarterback. Now I'm not throwing any shade on him, but zone is a different animal for him and an aggressive zone with a player like Matthew. I see a couple of issues here. Yeah, no, and for fun, I call these guys white marketing guys for the suburbs. What about our white marketing guy for the suburbs, Beasley, on the Bills? What do you think about him uh, in this game as far as fantasy? Because I think that's huge, right? You double digs in this guy, uh, a little bit of air raid. And we had on the podcast, people should listen to the podcast. We have Ben Raslaff, Houston Baptist, his offensive coordinator, Ben's friends with Graham Harrell and Clinsbury, the head coach of Arizona. He taught us the air raid. So I see a little bit of air raid between Josh Allen and Beasley, smart guy who can read the defense and can give a signal to Allen, and boom, they connect. Because in the air raid, you the receiver, which uh, Kansas City runs a lot of it, Kelsey and Mahomes have a good connection. They read the defense independent of each other. And with either man or zone, if it's man, 
you go deep, you run a vertical route. If a zone, you run across in whatever route you run, you look for the ball, it'll come at you, right? I think Beasley yes. and Josh Allen have a little bit of that and, and gonna exploit that zone. Remember, exactly. they all know each other. They're all Andy Reid guys. Every single person on each staff is four games. It's, it's four Andy Reeds going at each other. It's who can execute Andy Reid the best today. It's going to win. Yeah. And, Josh, I see what you're saying about Cole Beasley. What I've noticed, though, Kansas City's defense in the middle of the field against receivers has been very strong this year. And in the first meeting between these teams, Cole Beasley – basically had nothing until the game was out of hand late and the Chiefs then went to a shell and Beasley caught like a 20-yard pass and then a touchdown pass. He really had nothing before that. What I did notice in film on that first game, though, was they do play zone, but what they did was they would put a press man on John Brown, put more of the shell zone toward the ding side. John Brown, to me, is a player who could come out big here because if they're going to play man on one side against him John Brown is a very good receiver who's very underrated by the community and I do believe John Brown could have a couple of big plays last week he I, I liked him a lot I thought to be more downfield the, the way the defense presented himself he caught a lot of underneath up and piled up good numbers he could really hit them deep is there a world where Beasley does well of course he's proven to be a great receiver with a great connection with Josh Allen, right? but they are tough in the middle of the field. Yeah, no, yeah, Andy Reid, tough in the middle of the field. Uh, and uh, technical stuff for uh, football, NFL football on the podcast, we relate it to this point spread. So the fact that they're tough in the middle of the field screams under. Uh, zone, it's under, whether it's uh, college basketball, even NBA, zone, you hear zone, under. And that's why, uh, you know, the Bills and the Ravens, another Andy Reid bowl, right? You know, yeah. you have 20 years of Andy Reid between McDermott and uh, Harbaugh, right? And, and, and I think it's going to be huge, the fact that McDermott uh, has spent many, many training camps uh, dialing up plays and dialing up defense against Andy Reid as they battled in training camp. I think you're going to see the same today. And I really like the pride aspect of it, right? You and I go oh, play I basketball. You beat me one day. I can't sleep the next night. And I'm calling you, trying to set up a next date to beat you. Uh, I think it's going to be the same with McDermott. Any uh, apprehension, even though he's made his career, any slight Andy Reid has ever done to him, anything, it's going to kind of boil up to the situation. And, you know, you can't do anything, right? Uh, the big battle between Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer. You know, what's better, the X's and the O's or the Jimmy's and the Joe's? Uh, McDermott has his X and O's to go with the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And what I love about McDermott is he got to the playoffs with Tyron Taylor as his quarterback. Yes. You know, said there, right? Yeah. Now I want to get back to a question you asked me earlier about Mahomes video, but we have three questions that we want to cover in our chat area. Sure. Scott Cole with Antonio Brown out. We see Brady leaning heavily on Gronk and Godwin. As we talked earlier, I know my lean is I mean, when they played Green Bay the first time, it was Brock. He was like five for 79 and a touchdown. Godwin had really strong numbers in that game. Uh, but when the game became a blowout, they didn't throw much after it. So those games, those numbers could have been even bigger. Now, 
I understand the people that believe great will come up bigger. And he definitely may, because again, they do run a lot of two tight end personnel. Um, do you see any other that in, um, so honestly, I do think that they're going to sacrifice Scotty Miller to Jair Alexander, but Josh, yeah. I think you believe there is a good game in Scotty Miller. What do you see in her? No, I love Scotty Miller speed. He can get behind the defense. Uh, he, he's the fastest receiver on Tampa Bay. So it's the fake, right? You kind of think this way, that way, boom, he's going to be right open for Brady as long as – and Brady's been a lot more accurate than he's been uh, in the past. I know that there was an issue with – there's always been an issue with Brian Leftwich and Arians throwing to an area versus uh, throwing it to a guy, right? And they switched that up, and since they've done that, Brady's been a lot more accurate. So if he hits that one big throw, it's going to be huge for Scotty Miller. Absolutely. Yes, and you're so right about that because that is their deep threat right now. I mean, Evans can get downfield, but not as fast as Scotty Miller can. You need a lot of things to go right for the deep ball or Evans to work. Whereas, like you said, you can lull him to sleep on Scotty Miller as well. And they also, they may get him on a double move or they may get him on a right. stack. And if they get him in a sack, they can get a free release, and they can definitely work that. Next question we had, Sean O is asking, who are the locks at DFS slate? Godwin, um, I think Stefan Diggs is a lock for sure. Um, other than that, I think Devontae Adams has to be played. I don't think it's a scenario where he gets slowed down in any way. Are there any other locks on this slate of players that you, you almost could guarantee are going off today, Josh? Well, the thing is, and we talk a lot about this on the podcast, is that in my world too, right? Uh, I hate the word lock because in probability theory and the way life is, life is uncertain, unpredictable. This year has been in everybody's face, right? In probability theory, you know, all we use is business. I have to, because I'm a fiduciary. If I give you bad advice since, you know, I grew up poor and now I'm middle class, the SEC and FINRA, right? I always have the, the book right on here, right? The, so if they raid my office, which they can do at any time, uh, I have the book ready to defend myself. So in probability theory, the highest rate of a probability, it's only 80%. There was an 80% yes. chance we weren't going to have COVID-19 in 2020. So in my mind, there's oh, there's no such thing as a lock. There's an 80% probability, and you always have that 20% factor. So there isn't a lock. But I do know that in championship games, you got to look at your Bucky Dents. you got to look at because, again, especially in this game, they already played each other. They already studied each other. They already coached with each other. They all come from the same coaching tree. So you've yep. got to throw a wrinkle in there, right? Am I right, Jim? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, right, there will be players emerge. So, but when Sean's asking locks, you're right, Josh, the 80% guys. And maybe that's where Sean's going. But I think you have to put Adams in. You have to put Diggs in and Godwin and then build around them with your other pieces. You're going to have to be creative. I mean, you're, honestly, it's a, it's a very um, soft price slate on DraftKings. Kelsey is going to go off here. I don't think Tyreek Hill is, but Kelsey will go off. Let me ask a, you a question. Is that, that, fantasy, I really don't know a lot. Can you go by halves? Can you put away? Because on Diggs, I think D-Ball is going to use Diggs as a decoy in the first half. And it's going to go to him in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. I could totally see that. I love John Brown. And maybe that plays along with that as well. Right. Tim Chadwick has another comment here. He looks for Tampa Bay. And I think you were talking about Josh running a lot of two tight end sets. 
Gronk as the deep decoy and great as the primary catching tight end. That definitely could happen here. The yeah. first meeting between these teams, though, honestly, Gronk, they could not slow him down. They had no answer for him. They couldn't deal with his physicality. But, Tim, I'm not going to argue with you because we've seen Cam Brake come up big in the playoffs, and that may continue. And then Scott has a question. Do we think Buffalo has to stay in the lead to win this game? No. Or can they come from behind? What do you think, Josh? I love Buffalo coming uh, from behind. I think it would be great for them. I think they're going to be nervous in the beginning. They're going to be jittery. But once you're behind, you, uh, Josh Allen will play more on instinct. And I really um, think of Josh Allen when he was at Wyoming with no talent, no line, no receivers, and he would just will them to victory or back in the game, right? And I see a lot of that stuff in the NFL. He should give up on a lot of plays. He doesn't, but the old Wyoming, no talent guy uh, comes out. So I love to see that in the second half against Andy Reid, who will put the pedal off the metal, and he'll keep Buffalo in the game. And Josh is the better qualified person to answer that question to me. Scott, I, Josh, Scott, because Josh really gets the, the gambling angle on this. And I, I can tell you player performance a lot. Josh is much better at telling you who's going to win, how they're going to win. He does a great job with that. I think bringing us two together is a good thing. Oh, big time. To get the best of both worlds there. Yeah, right, because I know nothing team. about fantasy, man. I love listening to you because I learned I, I know absolutely nothing about fantasy. Man. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I, you know, and I, yeah, yeah gambling, I, again, I am the most unlucky person in the world. <laughs> so I need to listen to somebody like you to make the picks because I would not do well with those as much as I know can't translate that into. Well, the know, biggest, winners. the biggest thing, and it's funny because uh, super contests have been won a lot by guys in my profession of finance world, because, and there's guys that I know who high winning percentage, and they don't even watch football because half of right. it is math. And math is taught wrong in this country. People think it's calculations. Math is philosophy and pattern recognition. I love that. You are so correct. No, well, I'm not going to get a philosophical rant here, but the world is pretty much set up this way. Every life is counter. Anything that feels natural, don't do it right. because it's not going to make you better. You have to live counter to the way of the world if you want to be successful. I'm going to shut up because you want to hear. Oh, no. Hey, we, no, we got to go. We got to do a podcast, a motivational, Monday motivational podcast. I was going to buy your book on Amazon, but you're sold out, man. You have a lot of great. You and I think the same way. Every day is a great day. We think on the positive side. That's going to be a great podcast. Love it. Yeah, we're going to have to work together on this. But a couple more questions here. Um, Scott Cole asked again what team I'm leaning on. So you don't do the DFS. Who I'm leaning on most of the DFS? It's a mishmash. Um, I have four primary lineups, each with one of the quarterbacks. I don't have any feel as to any one of these four quarterbacks could put up the best week of the four. And I don't have to make a crazy case for that to happen. I have a few key players I'm leaning on. As we can already told you who those are. I'm going to use... Uh, John Brown, I'm going to use Kelsey, I'm going to use Devontae Adams, I'm using Gronk and Godwin. The other pieces I'm flipping around the best I can, but I don't feel there is one team that's good that has this, this clear offensive advantage in their matchup. A lot of moving parts here. Now, Josh asked me a question earlier about my thoughts about Patrick Mahomes reading defenses. Look, the Chiefs are a great offense, I understand but people are still living in that Nirvana drip of the past of where right. they're scoring on seemingly every possession. Right. That offense breaks down a lot. They are inefficient a lot. They have team speed. 
and they can make big plays and score in bunches. They do better when they're playing fast break offense. But I, and I understand Andy Reid's a great coach and Eric Bieniemy's doing a great job, but people are going to hire Bieniemy. Look, this offense is not the same offense as last year. I kind of agree with you about Mahomes maybe having struggles reading defenses, but he at least knows he's got Kelsey, he's got Hill, and if he looks to them with his arm and with their playmaking ability, he doesn't have to read a defense. He just has to get the ball to them, and he has the arm to fit the ball into impossible places. Thoughts on that, Josh? Well, my wife's a psychotherapist, so what I'm going to be watching, though, is because I was reading on Mahomes' injury, it was between a concussion and when, you know, it happens in our community a lot, but when the police puts you in a chokehold and oxygen does not get to the brain. So does he have a frontal lobe thing? Is he going to listen? Okay, you're saying they're not going to let him read defenses. Is he going to listen uh, on the microphone, right? Listen to the play correctly. It's going to be interesting to watch him play. Uh, and if it's a frontal lobe injury, is, you know, can he read defenses the same way he was before? And this is something that's kind of forward thinking. It's even a hit. Andy Reid's a football coach. Vietnamese is a football coach. They're not uh, neurologists or doctors, right? And, you know, 80% of doctors don't know what they're doing. So it'll be interesting to see what they're doing. And you made a great point, man. People who live in the past die in the past. Every year is different. Every game is different. Mahomes is different now that oxygen was blocked from his brain to the point that they didn't know whether it was a concussion or what's wrong with him. And now he's back there on the field. Uh, in regular life, you know, you and I, regular work, guy that works for us, that happens to him, we give him a couple weeks off. We don't put him in the middle of a uh, NFL championship. So very interesting exactly. to watch. You know, when you mentioned that, because last week I had a few people flame on me. I, I'm like, his head didn't hit the ground hard. Right. It might've barely touched the ground. His head did not slam into the turf. I didn't think for a minute his head got bounced. And that's why I wondered. And that's what people like yourself and others are saying. It was kind of a chokehold type effect, carotid artery type of thing. Right. When the guy got in there, it cut off enough quick um, oxygen that he just had a quick flash. And he was, you know, that's why he staggered. We all saw that. But his head did not hit the ground in a manner that made me think that. But I love your comments about how he's going back. Now, what I do think is favorable is that he played pretty much all the reps Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, that at least gives me a little hope, but you may be absolutely correct. Well, you may I, have it. Uh, certain things connect, right? Uh, sexual decency creates impulse control problems and lack of emotional control. So the way I monetize that was Jameis Winston throwing interceptions, betting against him in certain situations. The same thing with the guy at Washington who got cut, had the same problems, right? Went with the strippers, da da da. It was the, the connection of that. Now, Mahomes' wife has to look at it because he has permanent brain damage now to his frontal lobes. It's emotional control. He sees something, a time where he wasn't emotional a couple of weeks ago, he's going to be emotional now, depending on the damage to his frontal lobe. We don't know how much it is. It could be minimal that causes no change, or it could cause more change. We don't know. But lack of emotional control causes interceptions, and we bet on it with the Jameis Winstons, with the Haskins, different guys we've seen with emotional control off the field. If we put money on it, anticipating it, other teams putting pressure on it, and we're, our, our percent, 52.5 is break even, and we're usually between 60 to 80% on our wagers. 
That's why we're 500% ROI. So exactly. when I mentioned these things, are these are things that I've done in the past that we've monetized. Yep, absolutely. And this is why you need to follow Josh if you're a sports gambler who's allowed in your state or if you're able to gamble somehow, some way. It's very important and you're following him because you know what? He has the formula down. Uh, now, if I'm taking it, Scott has a question, but I'm taking it, Josh, that you're not a prop player either. You're pretty much just point spread and over and unders, right? Point spreads, over and unders. Uh, the, the the manager at the sports book at Win Encore, uh, he said teasers are for suckers. I'm going to take his word at it, but they make the casinos a lot of money. Parlays are for suckers, right? So in finance world, to ensure a result, you eliminate variables and covariables, right? Props, teasers, parlay, you're adding variable, right? That gets in the way of the result you want which is to go on vacations on betting money, right? Uh, yes. I've avoided a lot of Lifetime movies with the wife because she's like, oh, there's a game on? I want to buy an expensive purse and I want it from the betting money. I don't want it from our savings. I don't want it from this, that. I want my purse from the betting money, dresses. And that's how you get that, right? Is by eliminating variables and covariables. Now, with that being said, there's not an all end all be all. Like I'm with Urban Meyer. Analytics is not working football, but there's key statistics. There's certain things you look at. So if a prop stands out from you and you've been watching football for 25 years, go ahead, do that. Trust yourself. If you feel a parlay, right? Trust yourself. Boom, go for it. Because something, I have the book back there by Malcolm Gladwell, Blink. So you watch football for 25 years and you notice a parlay it jumps out at you, go ahead, do it. But don't have it as part of your overall strategy that you repeat on a regular basis. Yes. Now, we haven't talked this in a while, and we still want to finish the breakdown of this game before kickoff. Sure. But those, you mentioned point spreads earlier, but I think we'd like to get to these again for those that came in late. So the first, the early game, the Buccaneers and the Packers, the line sits at three right now. It had been three and a half earlier. Okay. Uh, the over and under is sitting at 53. What are you telling the people that are laying out these last minute bets, what they'd like to do with this game? Uh, I like buying points either way, right? So I, I would buy it to 54, the under. Uh, you convinced me even more with your breakdown, the analysis of the types of zones being played. Zone means under. Same thing, thing for basketball. Think Northern Iowa. Uh, zone means under. Uh, and I really like the dogs. Now, uh, I call it uh, being in, in business with Vegas. Vegas lights uh, dogs and the over, right? And now with the pandemic. Now, this is something that's going to change in the industry. Uh, that there isn't real data on uh, where the money's coming in to manipulate the line. Right now, right. it's on the honor system. And we all know that markets are irrational. Some people think markets are rational. No, they're completely irrational. So we don't know the real number. So what the number you're going to see is self-interested to what's in the future going to be a broker dealer. There's a broker dealer in my life. Right now, they're the, they're the bookie. <laughs> so the line's going to be advantageous to the bookie. So if you know that most people are going to bet the over, right, and the favorite, you go the other way, be equal amounts on each game, and you will make money. Because I'm a Warren Buffett guy, right? Never lose money. So bottom line. Now I want to add something here. This is important because we had a question which you just answered. 
somebody asks questions, Scott, that if there's a game, you're going to hit hard. Josh understands the principles. You bet the same amount on every game over a long period of time. And if your process like Josh's is correct, you win because of discipline, the exactly. same set, the same units. When you go hard on a game, if you lose that game, you undo a number of wins if that's the one game that doesn't win for you. Therefore, it, every game is an equally viewed entity. Correct, Josh? 100%. Again, we're using probability theory that they teach you in school. The highest level of probability is 80%. So last night, I went three out of four Pac-10. So the same amount I bet on Washington State plus 13 last night, it's the same amount that I'm betting on Buffalo uh, game being under 54. Same amount, same amount. And really, it is a lot of money. You compound it. And basically, you're doing what Bill Gates does. You're doing what Warren Buffett does. Uh, my, you know, Phil Knight. Phil Knight does the same thing, right? It, it, Phil Knight likes to bet on sports. And he runs the uh, University of Oregon uh, whole school, but primarily for us, we monetize him running the athletic program at the University of Oregon. Absolutely. Why argue yeah. with them? Why am I? Why is Jim going to argue with Bill Gates, Warren Buffett <laughs> about money and how to invest? I don't know. <laughs> you might be a little bit smart, but you're not going to That's for sure. Now, so to recap, Josh liked taking the points with the Buccaneers. I got three and a half. I was really happy with that. The line's three now, certainly a little less optimal on that number. And right. Josh likes under whatever number you get. It's 53. We're at DraftKings, but you're seeing a 54. Right. And you always got to shop around, right? Because it's going to change, right? But DraftKings, uh, Bovada, FameDuel, and I know you have, um, you know, proprietary stuff, but Let's say all the all the casinos in Vegas, they all have different lines. There was a one time I was going to Vegas and it was a game that the team that was plus nine, I knew was gonna win. I bet them plus nine. And then when I got to the you know the hotel, I bet on a plus three. The lines were hugely different, this huge line swings. And this started at 51, and now you see it at 53. So yes. sometimes, and I did it the other week. At the beginning of the week, you bet over 51, yes. and now you bet under 57. And you might win both, but you bet yep. more on what you think is going to happen. But you warm buffet this thing. Never lose money. Exactly. And in the late game, we'll have final thoughts in a minute. Um, I was very happy early in the week again. I got the Chiefs at two and a half. I love the two and a half number. The line sitting at three as it's been for a number of days now. And who was your call in this one? I think you like the underdog, if I'm correct. Right, right. But you got to mitigate mine because I'm emotional about it, right? We talk about the Hawthorne effect. Whatever you track and measure, you improve 20%. And emotion, right? I love Josh Allen. And I like the underdog type of style. But revenge game theory has been 100% this year. So I'm kind of going against it in the first game with Tampa Bay, but man, I'm not going against it with Buffalo. And I have uh, a, a guy that I've created the betting philosophy with Victor and Phoenix. He has four daughters, big Buffalo Bills fan, but we bet so many games. He takes emotion out of it. And when we were talking about this game, he was like revenge game theory. McDermott is not going to let Andy Reid beat him twice. Ah, I like that. I absolutely like that. 
Now, on the over-under, I got this number at 53 earlier in the week. It's sitting at 54 and a half. And if I'm correct, you Ooh. mentioned you like under on this game as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Value, right? Under, under, yeah. Under 55. Under. If I were yeah. you, I would bet it again. I'll bet the, the under. Less amount from what you bet. So if you bet $20 on the over and you feel strongly about that, put five yes. on the under, you might win both. You might be one that kind of mitigates the other one. And you have fun watching the game because that's the other thing too. And I have it pinned on my Twitter. People lie about, they don't understand what value is. Value is an equation. Psychological factor, functional factors divided by time and money. So what information we're giving you is the highest, best use of your time and time is money. But then you have psychological factors. And I have guys that I love who are very successful betting, but right now they're sitting alone in a room sweating with vodka slamming, you know, I don't do that. I'm around people, high-fiving people in the casino, whether I win or lose. And I think that's the best part of this formula. You do not care who wins the game. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to laugh with your friends. I'm going to get a bunch of texts here and there. And it's a social thing, right? And that's the great thing about sports betting. It's a social, communal, fun thing you're doing. But at the same time, it would be a very lucrative uh, business process where financially, you also benefit as well. Yes. Now, I know we've covered the gambling. Yes, I want to cover a couple of things for DFS players before we get to a finish here. One thing I want to mention here is yesterday, Kenny Stills was named to the 53-man roster for the Bills. For a reason. And, what's that? For a reason. Yes. And my thought is Isaiah McKenzie is going to see more set because either Gabriel Davis's ankle is a severe problem and they're expecting him to be inactive, or even Cole Beasley is still dealing with injury. He probably plays. It's more likely Davis is out. And in the games where Gabriel Davis had subbed, I guess, the fourth receiver, he was seeing like 35 to 40 snaps a game. If he's out, it's not Kenny Silves. It's Isaiah McKenzie who could step into 35 to 40 snaps. He They use him on many different plays, run plays, little pitch plays. Um, at red zone, Isaiah McKenzie is a going to be a very contrarian, cheap DFS option. It's a soft slate, but Isaiah McKenzie could be somebody who surprises here this week. Now, I know Josh was talking about some of the players on the Packers, but I still think with Antoine Winfield out, when I watched that last game, there were times where Valdez Scantling, as always, is running open downfield. Whether he catches the ball, always another story. But there is big upside for him if the backup safety doesn't make the same reads that Winfield made. But it also could benefit um, Lazar, Alan Lazard. So one of those two players with that safety being out, these could be tickets to winning a short slate with players that maybe are being highly rostered. And on the Kansas City side, Sammy Watkins, you'll have to watch, he's, he may not play. We heard earlier today, he may be out. DeMarcus Robinson was used heavily against the Buffalo zone last time. I want to say he caught five or six passes. Um, he was definitely a featured element. It's possible that he could be. If Watkins is active and he's going to play, I do like him for his run after the catch, and they will use him. But if not, Demarcus Robinson is a reasonable pivot. That's what I want to add. Josh, any final thoughts on the Kansas City and Buffalo game that you've observed? Uh, with Don Kinsu and what you just mentioned with Kenny Steele, 
uh, pattern recognition, right? Which is math tells me both those guys are added on for a reason. It could be that a coach said, I'm going to put this guy on this place. We see this. Boom, he's going to hit uh, a big play. And the same thing with Ndamukong Sue. It, it, they're there for specific reasons, They're not just there to be there. There's something, saw something during the week that those guys are going to be utilized. And I love what you said about DeMarcus. You're spot on about DeMarcus Robinson. His body is built for that, the, the defense that he's going to see today. Absolutely. And um, overall, like I said, I, I, I'm kind of with Josh. I don't think this game is a crazy shootout in too many scenarios. Both defenses are going to play their share of zone and keep things suppressed a bit. Obviously, there will be scoring. And again, don't forget that Buffalo most likely is going to play coverage. They're going to play six and seven man boxes, which is going to invite the Chiefs to run. And Andy Reid is not a stupid man. He will take those running attempts and take the free yards that are given. And they lit them up for almost seven yards of carry in that last game. And if that's there, you have to take those. So you could expect to see that happen. Now, if one team gets, like especially if Buffalo somehow gets out to a lead, that flips the script. But again, Josh talks about probabilities. No, you've convinced me. So based on what you said, Jim, I'm betting the Buffalo Bills second half line as well. Whatever it is, half. especially if they're down, especially if, if Buffalo is down, there's an 80% chance they're going to cover the spread in the second half. And that's what I'm going to bet. I that's like off. that. Absolutely like that. That'd be, so I'm, I'm going to probably put a live bet on. DraftKings has a little um, bonus where they give you a 50% profit boost for betting in game. So I'm going to keep my eyes open on that one if that happens. Any final thoughts on the Green Bay Tampa game? I think it's going to be a great game. I'm going to look at uh, Rodgers during the game, flick off LaFleur. Well, I think there's going to be, especially an emotional game like that, there's going to be looks between those two guys, and I think it's going to be very interesting. I went to high school without this Scantlin's dad. He went to my high school. In the, so it's going to be interesting to watch him. They're going to throw exactly one deep route to him, and he's going to be wide open like his dad used to run past me in high school. This guy has blazing speed. And he married a track star for a reason. So he's got great genes between both of them. His dad was a great athlete and his uh, mom was a great track star. And he has lightning speed. He's wide open. He has a long reach and he's, uh, he's on all my social media. So we'll talk to him and get to the Super Bowl. Absolutely love that. A few people are asking about props. I know Josh doesn't play them. Basically, my props are my fantasy like thoughts on a player. DFS thoughts. If they have a specific question, I'll, I'll answer it for them. I'll tell them what I would bet if they have specifics. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm going to throw a couple players out. And then, first of all, the one player I think I like to prop on the most is the under rushing receiving yards at 63 and a half on Devin Singletary. I don't think they're going to use him nearly enough as they should. Right. No, 100% agree. He's a smallish guy, man. FAU, FAU guy, smallish guy, lame Kiffin guy. Uh, he's not built for a, a tough game like this. No, that's the one player that I have a really strong feel about for a prop in that game. I also do like Tyreek Hill under 77 and a half yards, but we know 100%. the danger with that. If it's one big play, you're doomed. Yeah, no. Uh, place equal amounts on over yardage on Cameron Brayton, Scully Miller. Right. And then the, the guy you talked about, the off guy. Because Beasley's hurt, over a yardage on that guy. 
That seems like Isaiah more. McKenzie. And I couldn't find a prop on him, Josh. Actually, I'm going to check right now because I could not find a prop on him, and that was bothering me because I really wanted to see that. Well, the same way you go to Costco, the same way you go to Target, same way you go to your local grocery store, you shop around for the best price. It's the same thing you do with sports betting. You always look for the best price and there's places that'll give you everybody and there's places that'll give you nothing right because it's self-interested yeah. now the market's going to change uh in five years it's going to be dramatically different and you'll have a whole smorgasbord all the time with dramatically different numbers because it's not manipulation anymore exactly what the crazy rational market's doing which is going to be very yeah. very interesting but you use it now to make money today because you know okay this is manipulation and all of us it doesn't matter if it's our parents, school, the government, we've all been manipulated. We know what manipulation yes. looks like. <laughs> yes. Uh, again, getting philosophical here. The thing with parents, they basically are domesticating their children. Right. Each of the way the world expects them to be. Um, that'll be another podcast another day when we're not doing football. Yeah. So when now, you look at the prop and you look at the yardage, you're saying, okay, how am I being manipulated by this name and this number? How are they trying to get me? <laughs> right? They're yeah. putting Tory Kevin 77 yards. You're right. No. How, how are they trying to manipulate me with Tyreek Hill? Everybody loves them. Everybody's going to yeah. bet the over. So I'm going to have value betting the, the under on Tyreek Hill. The, the other two players in the early, I would say this not to be like about eight minutes till kickoff. Okay. To get this right. I do think Chris Godwin goes over 63 and a half yards. And I think Devontae Adams easily goes over 87 and a half yards. Totally agree because they don't have anybody. So they're going to run pick plays. If I'm Todd Bowles, right, eight minutes before the game, I'm with a headlinesman. Hey, you need to call that pick play they're going to run and try to get some penalties on Green Bay because Valdez Cantling, again, emotional issues. He's unreliable. And Rodgers hates him because he's unreliable. The only reliable guy is they have Dante Adams. So, uh, Offensive guys call them rub plays. Defensive coordinators call them picks. <laughs> you can see a lot for Devontae Adams to have him go over that number. Yes. And the one that I think is very poorly priced, I think Aaron Jones has like zero chance of going over 62 and a half yards. I think that is so far and under against this Tampa defense with Dita Bay back, oh, yeah. okay. they are back for maybe 25 snaps. I, I don't think he gets over 40 rushing yards. Now, he can get some receiving yards, but I don't think he sniffs 62 on the ground. What do you think? The floor calls the pass play to Jones. You'll see Rodgers go like this, audible. He's staying right here to keep me safe against all these crazy guys. They're coming. He's there to block. I agree with you 100%. He's there to block. Gronk is there to block as well. He might, yes. in the second half, you want to say, I want to bet second half line on Gronk because then Gronk will fake the, the run block, and then get a pass. But other than that, he's staying there to block for uh, for for Brady. The same thing with Jones. I looked at him, too. He looks injured. So it, it doesn't seem like he can run from what I saw in the Rams game. He looks like he's down there to, to block with that big body of his. And especially with the Todd Bowles defense, he's probably communicating with Rodgers, okay, who's the guy they're bringing, right? I want you to get a nice chip, chip on him. Yes. And I'll give one last possible prop. I'll give Leonard. you a prop that jumps out at me. Uh, whatever okay. the over is on JPP uh, getting a sack. Oh, I like that. I like that. Absolutely. Yes, because you're right. He has a great chance to get a sack in this big game. Absolutely. Because he's a Love phenomenal that. talent with motivation in this game. Uh, I don't think anybody can saw him a bat out of hell, right? Coming at you, JPP. 
Yes. I'm trying to see the sack numbers are in him right now, but I can find sacks. Let's see what I find. And again, I'm just looking at one number out. Of course, it popped off the screen on me. Uh, never mind. Um, I think that Leonard Fournette is not going to sniff a combined 69 and a half yards. No I way. I like the under on that. 100%. 100% under on that. Because Ronald Jones will be involved, and he may be very, very involved. And I, yeah, I don't think 69 and a half yards. I think there's literally a 85% chance that the under hits on that one. Big time. And Arians likes to hit the home run with the run play. And he's going to hit the home run with Jones versus Fournette. And Fournette's had a, pro- a fumbling problem, like in practice or whatever. So they, they want to limit his opportunity. So, yeah, no way on Fournette going over the yardage. And he's not going to get a big yards to get to to get over. Yes, I'm trying to find that prop real quick on um, the sacks before we get out of here. Let me see if I can get that out of here. Keep clicking the wrong button on my finger. Oh, yeah, the phone yeah, up always. here. All right, here we go. So let's see. JPP is yeah, it's a half a sack. So if he gets one sack, he hits the over. Bam. And it's at plus one ninety five. Nice. It's a it's a good number. But again, money management is the most important part of sports betting. I wouldn't put more than five dollars on that because there's really yeah. no real value in that really what's the value is coming up with a system especially if you've been watching football your whole life come up with a system because you know more than what you think you know as far as being able to monetize it and pay for vacations or say hey i hate the high price of gas i'm just going to use betting money to pay for gas like i do with with anna my wife (laughs) that's the best betting strategy i've ever come up with to be honest So we are less than five minutes from kickoff. We're going to let everybody get their final bets in. Josh, very happy you were here. Awesome oh, no, I love here. it. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to be here at halftime of each game today. So if anybody has questions about the games, I'm going to just do a quick, you know, in-game comment or two. Maybe you're placing second half live game bets. Josh, hope to have you back for the Super Bowl. What do you think? Oh, 100%. I love it. I love being on with somebody else because we can click around where the other person talks or whatever. And then again today, if you need me, I'm going to be – uh, sitting there, I think I'm gonna get you know liquor before beer. Never been sick or big, you know. So I'll <laughs> be there watching the game. So if you need me, tweet me. I'll come on. Whatever information we can provide, or if something happens, just let me know, man. Love it, and we got to do that motivational podcast. I think it's gonna be phenomenal. We, we have to plan for the off season. Yeah. All oh right. yeah. Enjoy it. everybody. Good luck, Josh. See you soon. All right. Bye, everyone. All right, man. Appreciate you greatly. This is phenomenal, Josh. Love it, love it, love it. Do you want to come on at halftime or no? Yeah, if you want me to, anything you want. Want me to come on at halftime? I'll send you you a similar link in your feed then. Okay, absolutely. And uh, I think there's more time uh, between games too, right? Need something. You know what? That's a great point. I'll have it out of the background, but I think you're absolutely right. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. And they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN Betting and Team Report Podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. I'm the best there is.